Hello, everybody. Welcome to Episode 7 of Economics Happy Hour. My name's Matt. And I'm Jadrian. And thrilled to have you here. So, Jadrian, it's nice to see you again. It's always good to see you. And uh, we always like to start off each episode discussing what we, uh, what beverage we're going to have during happy hour. What do you have this evening? I, uh, I don't remember how long ago it was. Maybe, I think I, I think we had this problem the last time we recorded. Um, I ran to the store right before, grabbed a bunch of singles and made myself a mixed six pack thinking like, I was like, oh, I haven't had these. And then I think everyone I pulled was not a Virginia beer, but it turns out, I don't think I read close enough. Uh, there was a Virginia beer in there because I haven't bought beer since then. So I have a Beals Gold Hellas Lager out of the Beals Beer Company in Bedford, Virginia. Okay, nice, nice. You'll have to let me know how it is. Um, I have one that I bought yesterday. We went to a party for some really um, wonderful friends who just adopted. Okay. And we'd already done a baby shower for them. So we, you know, we we kind of felt like we'd, we'd already gotten the baby gifts. So I went to the beer store and we wrote a note for when the baby is extra cranky. <laughs> and we bought some craft beer, and of course, I had to buy some for myself. But we bought, and it, it kind of looks like it's a kid's beer, right? It's okay. sci-fi hamster Ooh. wheel from, um, it is Thin Man Brewery in Buffalo, New York. Okay. So, shout out. in Buffalo? Uh, I'm sorry, what? Were you in Buffalo? No, no, it was just oh, okay. at the local store. But oh, okay, local store, not local brewery. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, local store is selling it from Thin Man Brewery in Buffalo, so... Um, Go ahead and and pour pour this, and I have not had this uh, this specific beer before, so I'll be, be curious to see. So, cheers! Uh, cheers! I am drinking out of uh, one of my favorite breweries. Uh, so I got a pint glass. I brought these back from the Southerns, uh, the Eighth Wonder Brewery. So I'll tell you a little bit about this brewery because it was uh, sh shockingly good. So it was the Southerns, um, not this past year, but the year before. So it's kind of that weird. You know, we're coming back, but we're not coming back yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Um, and right, it's in Houston, so I'm, I'm super pumped to go home. And they, there's this brewery that I, like, I was like, Eighth Wonder Brewery. I was like, that's amazing. That's a great Astros, uh, great Astros theme. And then I went, so I met with some other people, just other econ folks, uh, went down there. And the goal originally was like, I'm only going to get a couple, uh, I'll have a couple beers or a flight or something. I was hoping I could find the picture on my Twitter account, but I can't. Uh, they had it set up where you could, I, I want to say they were like, they had $5 pints was their thing. And they had a, a special that they were doing that was like, for $15, we'll give you three pints and a special pint glass. And right, like the good economist that I am, I go, they're already, well, that's just basically a free pint glass. Like, that's, that's the free glass. It's yeah. a free glass. I was like, I, of course I would like to do that. Um, and so I, right, I got my three and they give you three little tokens. So you come back yep. and trade them. Some of the best beer, like best beer menu, like top mm. to bottom, IPAs all over the place, really good. Um, so I had three of them, and we were all sitting out, right, taking time, not like a, it was a nice day. And we finished three of them, and I go, "Hey guys, I, like I'm still going to be here for a while." Uh, so then we go get, I go get three more chips. I'm like, "Well, let's do this again." <laughs> and so I asked him, I was like, "How many pint glasses? How many varieties do you have? I want to make sure I get the whole set." They go, "Well, we have four. And I go, "Okay." Um, I am the proud owner of four of oh, these man. glasses. We do that. We we do not advocate uh, excessive drinking. For, for I was there the entire day, uh, hours. Um, <laughs> but it, I, so it was pretty impressive. Like it was a, it was a it's obviously Houston brew, so it's big. Uh, but I want to say they had like twenty or twenty five beers on their menu. It was just oh, a massive lovely. menu, yeah. and it, everything was really good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So great I, brewery. I, I went back like the next time I went to Houston. I was like, I got to go back to here. Uh, I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check it out. This uh, my beer is de was delicious. I gave it a four point five on Untapped just now. This, yeah, this uh, is a really good gold lager. Like, it's good. Oh, so, all right. Well, so today's topic, and I, I don't think what we're talking about. I don't know of ways that one could use uh, this to help with uh, Untapped or our beer selection, <laughs> but but I pro it probably could. You know what? I, I already know. I already got this right. So you you talk. You introduce okay. today's topic. I'm gonna set up a conversation to link this back. Perfect. So we're talking. We're going to talk up about uh, Chat GPT and artificial intelligence in general, and some of the economic consequences behind it. And we even have a fun little activity that Chat GPT is going to help us with. Um, it's been a huge topic within higher education with a lot of the initial focus being, I, I would say, sheer panic 
from a number of professors about, oh my goodness, how and what are we going to do about assessments with students' ability to write papers or complete exams using chat GPT. But I think um, from an economics point of view, there's going to be some fascinating consequences of chat GPT and we're just starting to sort them out. So that's part of that's part of the idea of the discussion today. So you were typing while I was doing the intro on this. What did what did you find? Matt, I would like to introduce you to 10 different beer names that are based on economic concepts and are <laughs> funny. Uh, we have the Invisible Hops, Studs in Demand, uh, Monopoly Ale, Externalities. That one's really good. Uh, so these were really bad. The General Fear Ale, oh, uh, The Brutive Advantage, Fiscal Responsibility, Capitalist Cold Brew, uh, Market Ailure, uh, and then irrational expectations. Uh, I made. I told it that I wanted it to have puns. Uh, the original ones that I put in, I just said create tier ten beer names based on economic concepts, and I got like, I would say very generic ones. So there's like the Keynesian Kolsch. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right. Like the market failure Mars. It just was matching. Right. Like. Yep. Yep. Letters. So you got. You got. You, you. When you had the puns, that's a pretty fascinating first run at it, though. If you're coming up with uh, with beer names. For, for all our brewers in the audience. Exactly. So we need a home brewer, and then we can go to their house and drink their beer uh, and talk about it. I, I agree. I agree. So I know the consequences of this, right? It's it's still unknown. It's still new. One, one thing that is pretty apparent is it can do a pretty good job of writing out drafts of papers, of emails for <laughs> individuals. And I, I know that... Um, I've I used I've used ChatGPT. I, I did a Facebook post that I sadly posted first, and then I saw how much better it would be after. So from now on, I'm going to be proofing my Facebook posts uh, that that end up going on our business school social media. I don't do most of them, but every now and then, in a pinch, I do them. I did one for um, a professor who had passed away, like a condolences post, mm -hmm. and yeah, ChatGPT was so much better. Um, but uh, what have you used ChatGPT to help? with well before i say that how does that make you feel that uh chat gpt can be more empathetic than you yeah it's not shocked <laughs> <laughs> so i use it for the same right so i use it for emails um i i this you know this maybe maybe this is an economist thing uh i at least feel that i am way too direct like i'm not good with the i think i mean i see it back and forth with our emails which i really appreciate that you just email me and you're not hey how's it going just checking it like you're just straight to the point yeah. I love that. Um, but I also realize that other people do not like that. Sure, sure. So I tend to be way too direct. So I also use it for emails to email my students uh, when, you know, when they say that they're sick. Normally, my response is, you don't need to let me know. There's 500 of you. Hope you get better. Uh, but thankfully, ChatGPT uh, has talked to me into a more empathetic mode that says, I, you know, I hope this is finding you better. Uh, you don't need to. It, it, it still, like, weaves that in there. Uh, so, so same. I use it for that. Um, I use it. I use it on my newsletter to help clear up confusing paragraphs. Uh, so I'll type stuff, and I tend to yep. just type what I think, and I'll put it in there. I'll say, "Make this more clear," and it'll rearrange some of the sentences really nicely. And I think it does a, it does a better job than I do uh, sometimes. You know, it's it's things like that. Like I use it as a tool to help me write more clearly. Um, I obviously have just come up with some ideas uh, for different things. I'm looking at my list of things I've done because uh, it keeps track of everything you you've typed into it. I update my uh, announcements with my classrooms um, about it. I've used it to write a letter recommendation for a student who wanted to transfer. I was like, I don't really know this student. So, you know, give me a letter recommendation for a student who wants to transfer away. Uh, so I've used it yeah. more like in that sense. Like it, it comes up with really creative stuff. Um, yep. yep. We just had our annual giving day last week and I'm in charge of the social media. So I can't come up with creative things to tweet that often. So I was like, create 10 tweets that include economics puns and also ask people to donate. And it just, it spit out these amazing ones of like, don't let this opportunity cost you, uh, donate today to the, like, I was like, these are perfect. That's, that's, that's really clever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, it's cool, right? Like, no, and I've done something to say, I've, I've had it um, edit some drafts. I've had it sketch out. Um, I've got a video that's going to draw probably, well, I don't know, in the next, within the next month, I, you know, mm -hmm. that I recorded at Disney uh, about, ways that Disney price discriminates. Okay. And I actually then, I, I had my little list in my head, and then I actually asked 
chat GPT, what are 10 ways that Disney price discriminates? Yeah. And, and it more or less wasn't surprising, but there was a couple of ways I'm like, yeah, I was talking about several things with ticket prices, but not those two things. Mm -hmm. And so I actually added, and then I actually have like an honorable mention <laughs> the top 10 list that, that included some of the things there. Um, it's, it's an interesting question and I'm, on on the all of the ethics of this but i actually asked it to write out a lesson plan for high schoolers mm -hmm. on using on being teaching with a particular topic and it wasn't perfect by any means but it spit out a really nice first draft yeah. that i was then able to edit much more easily uh in, in a second version that was so that that's how i used it um i showed uh a realtor and i won't mention exactly who it is but that um i was i was explaining to him about this and he was saying you'll have to show me this this thing sounds crazy but and plugged in um you know an email that was sent to a client and said can you fix this and showed it and the eyes just got wide like this mm -hmm. is unbelievable and then um for realtors it's called a public narrative okay or you know that's what's on the website for mm -hmm. a site um and basically said, I mean, I would imagine if you put in like bullet points and just ask it to write a public narrative, it could and plug yeah. in about, okay, it's this many acres. It's got, uh, it's, it's on the water. It's got whatever marble cabinets. It's got this. Could you put together a 600 word public narrative? And it, it was beautiful. I mean, yeah. it came up with that. And, uh, the reaction was, if you told me this was, um, I would pay right now, I'd pay $200 on the spot without even thinking about it to buy yeah. I mean, it wouldn't even be a thought at that price um, in terms of how much time and effort it would save. Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes it makes my email so much nicer. Like I, the just the letters, the emails, it's, you know, I can come up with the original ideas. It's just, I'm, I'm just so bad at proofreading. And it's not even, it's me. It's not that I'm bad. I really shouldn't say I'm bad at it. I'm lazy. I look at it, I'm like, close enough. That's, yep, I got my point across. <laughs> like, but I know, right? I don't have, I have comma splices or like I'm, dangling modifiers. I don't know that. I don't remember all that stuff, but I know it's in there because I don't take the time to check it because in my mind, I'm like, I've got the message across. Uh, so I, it just makes things so much better. Um, so, so much better. Yep. Uh, the one thing I, ha I haven't done much with, although I've dabbled, I haven't tested it. I computer co like coding for regressions and coding for websites. I think this will be pretty, it's going to be fun to, to mess around with that and to see how much it can do. From yeah. what I understand, you could plug in code for, say, SAS, statistical software, mm -hmm. and say, I would like to convert this to R. Yeah. And it will convert it for you, which can be very useful if you have people who've, well, quite frankly, grown up using one version or another on a statistical software, and you want to share things back and forth. So I think there's there's a lot on on that. One thing I'm curious about, so if somebody uses ChatGPT, let's say there's a paper and you use it mm -hmm. to say, do you mind, can you come up with a, a good background, uh, two paragraphs on this topic? Yeah. And it comes up with the first two. Are we supposed to give that credit in the acknowledgements? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know the yeah, answer no. to that. Or, or is it, no, it's artificial. It's it's a tool mm -hmm. that we use. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't got, I will say from, at least from an editorial standpoint, we have not gotten any guidance on, uh, on recommendations for that. I think... It's going to be interesting, right? Like, I, it's going to be interesting. I think the first, the first paper that is like heavily written by, like a, the first like top five paper, uh, that's like an American Economic Review, right? Like, that's going to that's got to come out in the next five years. Someone is going to write a paper that was heavily written by ChatGPT, you know, but they maybe they had the data, ran the code. Like, it'll be interesting. I think. Um, yeah. I, at least what I think I've seen other places is that it's you're supposed to list it in the acknowledgments. I've seen other journals I, who have mentioned it listing in the acknowledgments that you used it. However, like not like co-author byline type status. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, Seems reasonable, but that that'll be yeah. intriguing. So yeah. the the implication. So the the tool is amazing. If you haven't used it, just Google Chat GPT. Uh, we'll put the link in the description if you'd like to go to it. The, the implications of this are pretty big. So you have yeah. an initial working paper that came out or mm -hmm. that um, presumably is, I don't know if it's under review yet or soon to be under review somewhere at a journal that 
correct me if I'm wrong, it examined how well ChatGPT did on economics exams? Yep. So it's uh, we have it as a working paper now. Um, you know, we did it really quickly. And I'm guessing by the time this podcast airs, we will have fixed it um, beforehand. I guess that's actually a really good thing to talk about, you know, if we have a lot of educators listening. Uh, you know, the papers that you read are revisions of previous papers. So the one that we have out there now that you may have read or, or found um, really looked at ChatGPT and its ability to take the twos, which I'll explain in a second what that is. Um, and we kind of, we initially framed it as a, hey, teachers, you need to be careful because students might cheat uh, with this. Like if you're giving them take-home tests and stuff like that. And we realized after we had put it all together that what we were testing ChatGPT on of taking this test, comparing it to students who had taken this test is that it's not exactly the same thing. Uh, so the TUS is the test of understanding of college economics or something roughly like that. Yeah. Um, it is a standardized sort of 30 question principles of micro, principles of macro exam that teachers around the country for different time periods have given their students. And the idea behind it is give them 30 questions at the beginning of the semester, ask them to take it as a normal, like a pretest, teach them economics all semester long, and then ask them to take the same 30 questions again at the end, and then see how they do. And realistically, sure. like students get better because uh, they learn economics. Uh, but, you know, the big thing is like that when at least the two data that we're comparing it against, all those students were proctored, monitored, watched. And that's not exactly like what we're trying to like. We're talking about cheating, but like those students didn't cheat. Like it's we realize it's kind of a fuzzy area. So we're in the process now. And hopefully by the time you hear this, uh, we've already done it. We're in the process of reframing it as. Um, this is what ChatGPT can do, kind of how we started this podcast. Uh, and then what does that mean for educators? How do you change your assessments, being more cognizant of things? Uh, will this actually make it better, right? So like there's a, you know, we never really had chatbots in, in economics, but other fields have, like coding has, uh, computer programmers have developed chatbots to help people learn how to code. Uh, Duolingo exists to help you learn different languages. Can ChatGPT be that tool that, helps you learn economics. So we're kind of reframing yeah. it in that sense. Yeah. Um, but largely it does pretty well. Uh, so those of you, I guess I, we should probably further define chat, chat, chat GPT a little bit. It's not, it's a, the way that I've heard it described is it is a really powerful auto correct uh, or like predictive text. It's not actually looking up the answers to things. Uh, it is, looking at the corpus of all the words of all the things that have been written and like trying to predict what the next words are, the next pattern. So it it doesn't, this is always the kind of the weird part, it doesn't know things, but it predicts what it thinks the answer is and it can generally predict the answer really well. Um, and I think that's what freaks people out is that it's pretty predictive. So for, yeah. the, for the twos, uh, if you compare it to students who have just finished a principles course, uh, ChatGPT would finish in the 91st percentile on the micro exam and in the 99th percentile on the macro exam. I think out of 30 questions on the macro exam, it missed like three. Yeah. Um, and most of the time, the students miss about half because either their teachers don't cover it or something like that. Yeah. That makes sense that it would do better on macro than micro to me, as macro is a little bit more almost term and definition based, mm -hmm. and micro is a little bit more logic process based, uh, not yeah. that's, that's generalizing a little bit, but yeah. Well, the macro test had calculations on it. So it was things like, you know, here's the CPI in one year, here's the CPI in the other, calculate the inflation rate. Um, and that's, it, it, it does math, it, it does simple math pretty well because it knows the order of calculating inflation. Um, micro, you're right, it, it micro tends to be, I would say actually micro tends to be more situational, right? So it's like, if a tax is applied, then what happens? If a price floor is applied, then what happens? Whereas macro is more like calculate the unemployment rate, calculate the inflation yep, rate, yep. which of these is a fiscal policy tool. Um, so it's, yeah, it, we weren't surprised that macro was better. Uh, or well, micro, better for macro. Micro is still pretty strong. I mean, 90 yeah. percentile. It's still not yeah. exactly weak. Uh, <laughs> right. It's 90 percentile. Um, so it's... I have a colleague in accounting and accountants are going through a project where there's, they've been putting their tests through chat GPT. Apparently this paper is going to have like a hundred co-authors. Yeah. All sorts of people are, are doing this. Uh, but somebody asked Susquehanna and, and it passed financial accounting. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it simply passes the course. So, which instantly of course gives some 
pause. Okay, we've got to, we can't do the same online tests we've been doing. We simply can't yeah. do it, uh, yeah. which is a pretty fascinating, it's kind of fascinating, right? That yeah. this is that disruptive for for education, but it, it's it's also powerful and useful. So what I think is so wild is to really kind of in context, think about the past few years where the pandemic, I felt like when it happened, we said, this is a monumental shift in education. We were like, like just two years ago, we were like, yes, we're going to start doing more online exams. We have to be more careful about proctoring. I feel like two years ago, we started to do the whole, we need to rethink how we're teaching. And now again, we have a new thing that's like, okay, never mind. Rethink how we're teaching. Yeah. And it's almost like, it's almost like ChatGPT wipes out a lot of the benefits we saw with, from the pandemic. We're like the pandemic hit, we move all these things online and we're like, yes, let's develop really good online classes. Let's have online exam. Like we were, I felt like we were pushing towards that of this movement of like, we need some online and in person. Mm -hmm. And then this comes out and all of a sudden we're like, oh, never mind. Yeah. (laughs) it's like, lost all your benefits of online education. It's a fair point. I, I, th- I think a lot of the online education can still work. I mean, I'm at we're at very different schools. I'm at a I'm at a small liberal arts university, right? We we don't do online except the summer, basically. Although one benefit of the pandemic is professors becoming more comfortable with. There are times where maybe the online is is a little bit better for one reason, right? If you want to zoom in with somebody who's not there, it might be less clunky to just have everybody zoom in instead of coming to a classroom, for example. Or if there's a snow day, you don't have to cancel. Yeah, Those, those things are very nice, but we, we certainly believe the power of the small classes. But I think the online, a lot of benefits were gained on, online where I, I don't know that it erases all of them. I do think it puts a real I wouldn't be comfortable giving an online test right now at all. And I, I so I'm, I'm in this weird spot. So for those who don't know, as a dean, right, you you oversee a school, the department chairs report to you and people look up, but faculty have a lot of aut- autonomy. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, faculty have a, a lot of control over what they do. I don't really have the right to say you must do this in a class. I, I did say, look, you need to think very carefully before you give an online test right now. Because yeah. some, if you give one, the the grades aren't going to be fair. Some students will do it as they should do it mm-hmm. and get whatever grade they should, and others will not and and get a better grade at this point in time. And I don't know, I don't know how that ends at the moment. I, I don't see. I mean, I know that there's software that can try to monitor people. Yeah, and then you get into the weird monitoring, right? Like all the lawsuits yeah. that happened in Indiana, I think, Ohio. It's happened multiple places, right? Of you know, do universities have the right to monitor you in your dorm, in your bedroom? Um, which I, I, that, I, like, I understand why people used it, but it, like, they creeps me out. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. It, so I, my big concern is like, I teach a big class. So I, you know, I have five, 550 in one class. I used to do in-person exams, um, Right, squeeze them all in, and then I mean they were cheating yep. then too, right? People cheated, of course, of course, they always cheat. Um, but man, moving things online really made things easier on me. Um, and so it's it's tough trying to figure out how. Maybe you know, maybe it's a matter of. It's one thing to say what sort of questions ChatGPT can and can't answer. So right now, for example, like it didn't answer some of the questions right. So there are some things it doesn't know. But eventually it will. Like, and I think that's the hardest part is like, just because it just because it doesn't handle complex topics now doesn't mean that in a year or a year and a half that somebody else isn't going to develop some other version or some other upgrade. Um, so yeah, I've, you know, I've thought about this a lot. Like the way that I changed my course uh, during the pandemic. So when everything shifted online, I used to have exams that were worth, if I can do the math real quick, maybe 60%. Uh, of the course. And the other 40% was, um, you know, homework, discussion boards, things like that. Um, one of the things that I have been shifting towards, and I I don't I, I don't like it, but I, I think I have to shift towards it. I've started to put a bigger weight on um, in-class polling. So like in-class clicker questions, sure. think or share activities in class. Uh, because what I was finding during the pandemic, even when we were on Zoom, it was recorded. So students just didn't show up. Um, they didn't log in. Um, and I didn't feel it. It didn't feel appropriate during the middle, like the height of the pandemic, 
It didn't feel appropriate to require people log in at a certain time for health reasons, work reason, like just everything that was going on. So I made the in-class polling portion really, really small. And then each semester, I've just kind of ramped it up because people weren't coming to class. Um, and they were so they were they weren't coming to class and they were missing material. So yeah. I did. I checked this when I was at Penn State. Uh, so in the last year, we were in this weird like hybrid. Uh, they wanted everybody back on class, but also recognizing you should probably have a Zoom option at the same time. In my big 700 person class, it was it was in person, but there was a Zoom option you could attend online. There was about I want to say 15 to 20 percent of the class chose to spend the majority of the semester online. And of that 20 percent, not a single one of them got an A or an A minus. Every uh, the yeah. top grade was a B plus. Um, so obviously, right, self-selection is a huge component of that. Yeah. Um, but I think that's telling that the uh, right the Zoom vert just watching it, none of those people are getting um are getting A's. And so like I know it's not better. It's not it's not well designed to do both. So, you know, that's where I'm pushing. I'm, I'm moving more and more towards heavier in-person with flexibility. Yep. Yep. But I don't like that either. Like, I, I hate I hate both options, right? Yeah. I hate the idea that there's no weight to in-person and most of the weight's on exams. That sounds awful. But I also hate the idea that there's very little weight on exams and there's more weight in person. Well, that's not good. What if they get sick? So I, I'm stuck for the fall. Like, I I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, I don't have a good answer. I don't, I don't, I don't have a good answer. I don't have yeah. a good answer. It's, it's, it's tricky on this. And, and you have such a large class, it's probably tougher to make case by case exceptions, right? Where a smaller school right. says they get sick. I'm like, okay, we'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's the thing, right? Is like, I have to come up with a policy that is flexible. So like my, so my policy on clicker. So I, you know, I require in-person attendance or in-class attendance, but I give you full credit if you hit 75% credit. So essentially you can miss 25% of the work and still get credit. In my mind, that's like, you know, you're missing every other week once. Like, you know, I think that's probably enough. Sure. But at the end of the day, it's arbitrary, right? Like whatever number, I, every, yeah. everything in, in education is arbitrary, um, right? Like what is a 70? What is 70% knowledge? It's arbitrary, right? Like I picked it. Uh, sorry, the e-convert, it's endogenous, right? I, I picked it. No, I just, I, I try to come up with that flexibility so that, I don't have to change the grading for somebody who was sick versus somebody who had a death in the family versus somebody who had an internship versus somebody who just overslept. Like, I don't, I can't police all this. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, they all missed class. And so it's why they missed it. They all think it's important. No, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm torn for the fall. So if any of our listeners have great ideas that you feel really comfortable, like, please tell me. Yeah. And we'll take it under consideration because I, I'm stressed about the fall, not because of chat GPT. I mean, that's obviously part of it, but I'm stressed about the fall just because like, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't have a good answer. It's fair. So, yeah. If you, if you but, have any ideas, yeah, please, let, please chime let, in and let us know. Let's ask chat GPT some questions. Let's um, so ask chat GPT some questions. So I have started it. So actually, I guess we're going to ask chat GPT to come up with questions for us. Yeah. Yeah. So this uh, is, this was, and we don't know for the, for the listeners or those watching on YouTube, we, we did not do this in advance. So what is the question you're asking chat GPT to, I know that it's going to ask us questions. Do you have the specific question you're queuing into them? No. So what I've started is create a list of five questions to ask economists on a podcast. So that's the start of it. Okay. Um, and I'll say, make the questions about the role of chat GPT in teaching economics. Yeah. Or, or how will chat GPT disrupt industries? Create a five, okay, create a list of five questions to ask an economist on a podcast. Make the questions, uh, oh, here we go. Let's say, make half the questions. We'll see what it does with five questions if I say make half the questions about uh, about concerns with chat, GPT, and teaching. And the other half about how chat, GPT will impact our lives. Okay. Outside of the classroom, outside of the, I always, I never know how much detail to go with. Okay, it's thinking about it. Matt, your first question. Okay. Here are five points. As an economist, what concerns do you have about AI language models like ChatGPT and how they may change the way economics is taught and studied in the future? Didn't we just we cover did that? One? We just already covered we, this. We did that one. No, that's good. 
we hammer. We don't, have, we don't have to answer that one, right? So like, I don't think so. I don't think so. The concerns are there. Um, I, it's also a powerful tool, so maybe yeah. that'll be question two. But I'm, yes, you're good. <laughs> you know it. Question two: How can educators ensure that students understand and engage with economic concepts when using AI models like ChatGPT as a teaching tool? So I think a really good, good example of you of a way to use ChatGPT, like here, would be a great assignment. Uh, type in a question to chat GPT on an economics related topic related to the class. Mm -hmm. Tell it to come up with a, say a 200 word answer. And then you must critique that answer. Mm -hmm. Now, sadly, I suspect you could also tell chat GPT to critique their own answer and they might be able to do it. But, yeah. you know, but it, it's, I think that, I think there's a powerful opportunity to learn with, mm -hmm. with chat GPT here. Um, so I mean that that's a way to use this as a as a tool. The I mean, some of the concepts are tricky and students haven't heard of elasticities before. And you know, for, for the devoted student, the idea that this is available is pretty awesome. I mean, of course, Google's available as well and Khan Academy and all of those other tools that help to teach. But if you're struggling to understand, okay, what's the difference between uh a an inferior good and a necessary good, and how does it relate to income elasticities? Which inferior means you literally um, buy more as incomes drop, whereas necessary, the percentage you buy doesn't drop as much. Um, but it's it's be pretty cool that it's there. So I think it can be a powerful learning tool, a mm -hmm. powerful tool. But I, I do like the idea that it won't be perfect. At least, well, I don't know that it'll, it'll never be perfect, but it won't be perfect yet have it come out yeah. with a response and then have students critique the response. So one of the things I am a little, I'm excited about it on two ways. Um, my courses have always had a heavy reading component to them. Uh, you know, read this article, you know, read this chapter from the book or like read a chapter from Freakonomics, something yeah. like that, summarize it. Um, but I've also done questions where like, you know, I have them summarize it or I have them say, you know, take a concept from the reading and, you know, describe it and apply it to your life. And at least the current version of ChatGPT, it can't summarize text, right? Because it doesn't, it's not connected to the internet yet. And it doesn't, it can't necessarily like read everything that's in there. Um, so I've enjoyed it in the sense of, you know, if you don't understand what moral hazard is when you read it in the chapter, fine, ask ChatGPT what moral hazard is. Yeah. And then, you know, apply it to yourself. Um, and, you know, it, uh, you could say, how does moral hazard apply to my, I could probably, let's see. How does the concept, I don't even have to say they could. Let's see, how does the concept of moral hazard apply to my own life, apply to my life? Let's find out what it says. Um, moral hazard's a term to describe the idea that people or organizations take more risk and behave in a less responsible way than they are in, when they are insulated from the consequences of their action. In other words, you don't have to bear the full cost of risky behavior. You may be more likely to engage in that behavior. For example, driving. If you have car insurance that covers the cost of accidents, you may be more likely to drive recklessly or take unnecessary risk. Right, so like it can do some of it, but at the end of the day, the student still has to read it. They, have to, they should be reading the article, finding the concept. And like, honestly, if you need help, how is that any different than if I were to Google moral hazard and go to Wikipedia and find the exact same thing? I think that's really like, when I think about the struggle of these is, I, I, I liken it back to when Wikipedia first came out, where, there was this big pushback where I feel like educators were like, absolutely not, do not use Wikipedia. And then over time, people were like, here's the right way to use it. Yep. yep. Don't just trust it. it. You know, people are editing it, uh, read the sources. And I think it's just going to take time. And I think really it's probably going to be a push from the English faculty and English teachers of like, how do we use this to make sure that this example does make sense? Um, so obviously, like if you're a 14-year-old in English class, you shouldn't be talking about, you probably shouldn't be talking about health insurance as an application of moral hazard to your life. Like you don't, yeah, you probably yeah. don't have health insurance. Um, your parents have health insurance on you, but like, you know, being careful about, you know, how do we actually use it? Um, so there's that. I have seen a recommendation because you can, you have to be really careful how you ask it. So ChatGPT and the other ones like it will not purposely make mistakes. You have to tell it to purposely make a mistake. Um, and I've seen people uh, come in and basically say, you know, create a 300-word essay or 200-word essay um, about price controls. However, include three mis include three economic mistakes in it. 
and then you give it to students and the students have to find the mistake in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I've seen some, like, I think we don't have all the answers now as educators, but man, I really trust my colleagues to come up with really cool teaching ideas that I can steal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think the next few years, there will be some amazing examples. Yeah. Okay. So those were our two, which is good because like we already answered one of them. Uh, so impact of chat GPT on our lives outside of the classroom. Uh, it did get confused with the half. <laughs> so like, it's like it numbered them, but for number three, it's got weird formatting. It, it didn't know how to handle that. Uh, number three, how do you see AI language models like ChatGPT changing the way consumers make economic decisions in the future? That's a that's a good question. I haven't thought about how to use it on the consumer side. Yeah. Yet. Uh, does that? So let's say, let's say you were looking at a, a purchase. Let's say you were thinking of, you know, what I would like to go to. Uh, I'm think I'm considering a vacation to Nairobi, Nairobi Kenya, right? Um, ChatGPT might be able to give you some examples of how safe or unsafe Nairobi is, right? And that could perhaps guide you. That's a pretty big ticket example. In, in some ways, I would think it would be used similar to Google, but given in it could be used, but perhaps more effectively if it can craft in artificial intelligence. Given it can take perspectives a little bit better, mm-hmm. you might be able to say, would um, would a trip? So, for example, would a trip to Ni- uh, Nairobi be? I'm gonna. I'm asking it. Okay. So. Would a trip to Nairobi, Kenya, be a good vacation for somebody who feels uncomfortable about flying? I'm kind of curious at this, right? For someone who feels uncomfortable with flying. About flying. Um, so here's what I think, and this goes back to what we talked about before, um, right? So like maybe right now, it you know, it's not going to know the answer because it's just predictive stuff. But I know within years, if not, it's probably not even years because like, right, Google's already doing it and Microsoft Bing are doing it. Yep. It's going to start linking these two together. This is the Ask Jeeves that we needed 30 years ago. Like this is what we wanted Ask Jeeves to do. Uh, so I'm going to date myself. All of, all, of the, all of the high schoolers who are listening yeah. are like, Gazuntite, uh, uh, right? What? The- <laughs> Here you go, Matt. As an AI language model, I cannot provide a definite answer as to whether Nairobi is a good vacation destination for someone who feels uncomfortable about flying, as it would depend on a number of personal factors and considerations. However, here are a few things to keep in mind. Nairobi is located in Kenya, which is in East Africa. Depending on your current location, this could involve a long flight and potentially one or more layovers, which may make you feel uncomfortable. Nairobi is a bustling and vibrant city with plenty to see and do, including national parks, museums, markets, and cultural attractions. However, if you are uncomfortable with flying, you may want to consider whether you feel comfortable with the transportation options within Nairobi itself, such as taxis, buses, and trains. In addition, you may want to consider other factors that could affect your comfort level while traveling, such as language barriers, cultural barriers, barriers, and health risks. It may be helpful to do some research ahead of time. I mean, it's not a great it's answer, right? Right, but like it's a, it, it's kind of a cop out. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it is. But I mean, you know, it, it was a cop out within three seconds, and, and right. it, it had some nuance in there. Say, hey, I, I don't think. know the answer to this, right? How how much do you hate flying? Uh, uh, you know, in terms of, I'm trying to think for my answer. Like, if I would change it, I think right now n- my answer would be no. Um. So I'm thinking economic decisions. I'm thinking purchases, right? So like, I think that's really where we get kind of bogged down with like, you know, what is an economic decision? Maybe we, maybe that's a philosophical answer. Um, but like, right, I'm making decisions about how do I maximize my time and productivity. Um, yeah, so I'd say you know, I, it, it's definitely changing how I make decisions well, about yeah. sending emails and stuff. My uh, real estate, uh, the person I told you who's involved in real estate was saying, look, I, you know, I this minimizes the probability I'm going to get a personal assistant to help me mm-hmm. with emails, for example. Yeah. Right? And that's an economic decision that uh, it has been changed because of chat GPT. So. so the last two, one of them is about, um, it's about language, it's actually about job markets, right? How do you think it'll impact job markets, particularly with economics and finance? I take a very, like, I'm not the best person on this because I'm like, it, you still need somebody to put in the, to put in the work um, yeah, it's spitting out ideas, but like somebody has to still put it in. I'm I'm more optimistic on that front. Um, I don't, you know, these are the sorts of things that I think are really cool, and everybody's like, it's going to take all the jobs, and I don't I don't think it will. Um, that reminds me a lot of the analysis analogy I gave was like it reminds me of MOOCs like 15 years ago when people are like, 
college professors should be concerned. Like we'll never have college classes because all students will be taking MOOCs in 15 years. And like, yep. no, no, they're not. No, they're not. No, so they're not. I, I tend to ignore that one. But this one is really interesting that I want to ask you. Uh, number four, this is a really good question. Do you believe that AI language models like ChatGPT will lead to increased economic inequality? Or do you see the potential for it to help reduce disparities in access to information? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> the I do think, so inequality measured on income, I, and I, I think the jobs question is actually interesting. And mm -hmm. I think there could be an impact. Yeah. I think there could actually be a big impact. Now, you say jobs. Things adapt. Right. We had the same percentage of the unemployment rate 150 years ago when 90 percent of the population was in agriculture and we were way less efficient. Uh, this can do things more efficiently than humans can do in some areas. And so it will replace and those individuals will then find other jobs. Yeah. But I think that people who are really productive at utilizing chat GPT uh, will be able to. Uh, extract higher incomes. We'll be able to be more productive. We'll be able to get more done. Um, the person I mentioned, you know, is a hard worker and hustles. And the ability to have this write out beautiful, a beautiful narrative um, could make that person more productive, could make that person more money, right? right. And, and they can and they can hire an assistant because they're selling more houses than they did before, right? They're taking on more yeah. clients and- Yeah, so maybe they're not hiring somebody to do some of the writing or maybe they're, but that person then can leverage and could be higher income. So overall, I think jobs are the same, but I think the function of jobs will yeah. be different. I know within copy editing, I know of at least one copy editing group that had kind of like an emergency panicked meeting about what does this do? And the end result is, I think at least at the moment, it's not too much to worry about. Um, but I, I think there will be some shifts from this. And the other thing to keep in mind, right, this is the very first iteration, or at least the first iteration I'm playing with. I know yeah. that other people have had other iterations. What happens when it's just when Microsoft integrates this into, um, you know, have AI check your email for you, click, and you might want to, you might want to consider these four changes. And it takes three seconds. It doesn't take logging in, copying, pasting, is that really right or not? No, it just highlights and it would take, you could, just like proofing takes almost no time if you click proof on Microsoft. And I think I think that will impact, there will be impacts on jobs. I don't think it will be super sudden, but I, I think there will be, I think, I think there will be some impacts on jobs. And I do think it will make, uh, could increase inequality. And I do think it does provide people with more information. So the inequality is based on income but the cons it's not generally based on consumption, which if we, when we do an inequality po uh, podcast, I think that's a big issue. Yeah. People will consume the ability to have this and have this for free mm -hmm. is unbelievable. So this had a, a price of infinity a couple of years ago. You couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, maybe not infinity. Maybe the richest people could, but probably not this well. 20 you years. You actual people who were doing it for the rest yeah. of the day. <laughs> So 20 years ago, right? This this you couldn't do this. And now that's available. This this tool is available to anybody who can go to a library or has a smartphone with that is connected to a data network. They can get onto Chat GPT and a stunningly powerful tool that would have cost a whole lot of money a while ago. So I think it'll increase monetary inequality, but it will probably reduce inequality of consumption depending on the value we place on the That is a great economics answer. Yeah. It will increase it and decrease it. <laughs> Both it hands, right? Two-handed economists. <laughs> it depends. Um, you know where I'm really, so I think you're absolutely right. On the top end, The I mean, my productivity has gone, like I'm, I'm you know, at the same time, I'm, I'm taking on more projects because I have more time because I'm using these things. Um, where I'm super excited to see uh, where this goes. So this has always been a big pet peeve of mine. Um, I think the college essay is like the dumbest thing. Um, I think it's, I think the intention behind it is really good. This idea that we want to learn about people and what they bring. Like I, I, the intention is, I think, honest and true. And I, I like the intention of it. But what I always hated was this idea that people who had access to proofreaders and tutors had better essays than somebody who sure. who didn't, who couldn't afford to have that. And they wrote sort of a sloppier essay. Um, 
And I think this fixes that. Having access to you, the people who no longer had access to those tutors now have access to essentially someone who can clean up my essay much faster. And so my story of what I bring to the university is not hidden by poor grammar or access to resources. Um, I think what that does is, especially for universities that heavily rely on those sorts of essays, they're going to have to come up with a new method, recognizing that like the writing quality, like you really are going to have to read the the story and not the quality of right, the, not the quality of writing or things like that. But what's super interesting is so many universities, again because of the pandemic, went test optional, and they're reading these essays and these background stories. I'm really curious, like essentially the the, the college essay is not as important anymore either. Um, like what it like what is going to drive this? And I think it's going to end up being kind of what you said. The students who are more productive are going to join more clubs, have more opportunity. Like they're going to gain more opportunity. So I can see it kind of doing both sides, where um, like the essay is no longer as important. So now we're going to put all of our emphasis on how many clubs you're in. Are you an officer? Did you study abroad in high school? And like the people with access to those things can do those already. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like, this I can be see both. <laughs> so the next statement I'm going to say qualifies on almost everything I say. The views of me do not equate the views of Susquehanna <laughs> University. My views do not reflect those of Susquehanna. Yeah, uh, often they really, since I'm dean of the business school, they do reflect that. Um, uh, and I, I, I hesitate. This is one area where I hesitate to actually be as honest as I might want to be um, on, on, that, on the essays. But no, I, I think you're right in a lot of ways. And Susquehanna asks for essays, I think, to learn a little bit about the students. I do not I think I don't think it's a major portion of of the things my kids have had to do these, and I've thought, um, that, yeah. And part of me actually thinks, what right do you have as a college to ask my kids about their personal life? Like, there, there's a little bit about that. Like, seriously, why yeah. why would you why would you think you have that right? Mm -hmm. And I know they'll say we want a whole person, and you know it's a private. You know they don't have to apply unless you know they could go somewhere else, but. To me, I, would, I, yeah. I share some of the concerns that I, you know, once that that you would have, and I'm wondering, and and then there's the concerns. You're right. Somebody who's wealthy is going to have that proofed and reproofed and written at a PhD writing level, whereas others will write it out and at a high school level and submit it. And, and that's the problem. Is the right? The hope with those is that the readers won't judge the writer for their writing quality. Right, that you're really trying to read the story, but it's right. We're human, so I mean, we're biased. We see spelling mistakes. We're like, "Oh, that person's lazy. Oh, they didn't have this proofread." And so, like, that's not really fair to that person because they may not have the opportunity to do that. Um, but man, think about how much time your kids spent on those essays. In a sense, like, ChatGPT can clean that up in a few. You spend yeah, an hour yeah. it to make sure it didn't change your story. But part of it is also the topic to choose in theory should be valuable. So. Wow. I think, and that's that's gonna be the hard part is the essays were always like the proof that you were special. Our our, our university is gonna have to require further proof that you're special because I could come up with you know create a create an essay that makes me a really good candidate to go to Susquehanna University. They care about X Y Z. It's gonna write me an essay that talks about how I studied abroad and I helped the homeless and you know my giving is my mission in life. And you're going to read that and go, holy crap, I, we need to get this person. And it's not me. That's yeah. not who I am. Um, Thankfully, I, I think that's not how Susquehanna makes the majority of their decisions, I think. so. Um, are, is Susquehanna test optional? We are test optional. We've been, we were test optional since pre-pandemic. Okay. Um, it was a big push, right? Like, I remember this. I mean, we've been going a long time. But maybe this will be our, we make this our last part, our part. I remember this was a big issue like a couple of years ago, this idea that it goes back to the wealth issues is, you know, there's people who can afford tutors to take the SAT six times and, and get tutoring and training. And then there's somebody who takes it once and that's all they can yep. afford. Yeah. Um, and, and so we, you know, I mean, when there's, yeah, so I, I, I support that. I, I, yeah. I know some schools have gone test blind. They won't look at that. I, I would 100% oppose that. Yeah. You know, the student wants to take it and say, hey, look, I, I did well. Please consider that. I think well, and that, that was always the argument, right? Was that students who couldn't participate in extracurriculars or do leadership clubs because they were working 
the SAT was like their chance to prove that they're capable. Yep. yep. And then they're like, well, no, now we're not going to look at that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nope. I understand. I understand. So right, we have gone on a, we have gone on a long time, but this, it's a fascinating topic. I hope uh, listeners enjoyed and feel free, of course, to comment for those who have uh, stayed in to this point. Thank you again. Uh, we appreciate all those who listen and who provide comments. And I told Jadrian, I was at a workshop and somebody came up and said, yeah, I saw you were on. And I, I, um, you know, I, I had to come to the workshop and because they they'd listened. And so that, that's really pretty cool. So I really I know we appreciate those who uh, yeah. are listening and giving us feedback. And we do try to end with some pop culture references. Uh, I feel like I've gone first on all the questions. So, Jadrian, I don't know if you have one handy. I do have one. Um, if you don't have one today, it's fine. We've gone long. I have one. Yeah, no, I, there's a there's a lot of really cool pop culture stuff on automation, technology, things like that. Um one of my favorite ones is probably at a superstore. So it came, superstore ended a couple years, like it kind of ended yeah, actually during the pandemic. Um, there's some really interesting ones, different episodes that you can find on teachingwithsuperstore.com, I think is the name of the website, um, about just how like technology influences the work workplace. Um, and they're, it's super interesting. Like they talk about like scanner guns and tracking devices and all sorts of stuff. So there's a lot of fun pop culture TV stuff about you know, labor implications yeah. mostly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I say push people there. It's it's interesting. That's no, that's cool. The what I'll give is a, a song or and or a movie, a musical Broadway musical song, or the movie that's attached with it. The song, and you can find it on Broadway Economics. It's with one look. It's from Sunset Boulevard, which won the Tony probably in ninety six. I would think uh, nineteen ninety six, and it came back to Broadway a few years ago. Glenn Close from Fatal Attraction fame was the was the star and she won a tony award for it and she came back 20 years later and did that and even though her voice wasn't the same she was amazing it was mm -hmm. so great that's when i saw it uh the songs with one look uh the story here is she was the silent movie star and then the talkies came about and she lost her job because everybody liked the talkies so society's better off because of the talking movies and enjoys them way more, but the disruption does indeed harm some individuals. And I, I think that I think that's pretty relevant. I think that is going to happen with Chat GPT. So that's a that's a pop culture reference for everyone. So Matt, I did ask Chat GPT to give us a sign off or a sound off. I don't know what I, I don't know what it's called at the end, but I have I can do the ending part if you want to say anything before. Well, I, I will say uh, cheers and cheers. thank you to everybody for listening, yeah. and then you get to do the sign off. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in and sharing your time with us. We hope you found our podcast informative and engaging, and we appreciate your support. Don't forget to subscribe or follow us on Substack in order to stay up to date on our latest episodes. Until next time, take care and keep learning. Couldn't say it better. Take care, everyone. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.